On March the 17th, St. Patrick's Day, many Americans wear the color green. School children are teased or even pinched if they don't wear something green, whether it's a shirt or a dress or a tie. Partiers put green food coloring in their beer. Families eat corned beef and cabbage and watch parades, St. Patrick's Day parade. Why? What's this all about? Well, for one, in the United States, as in many countries, the Irish are a large part of the population, well over 10%. In fact, in the U.S., only the German Americans are a larger group. It's something like 37 million who claim Irish ancestry. I would be one of those. I'm one-eighth Irish. Even in a place as far away as Australia, 30% of the population claim Irish roots. And I think there's a lot of pride in that and a lot of humor. But what are the facts about St. Patrick? Was he a saint? Was he a legend? Who is this man? What is the truth about St. Patrick's Day? St. Patrick, as popularly conceived, is as historical a figure as St. Nick. Patrick, the Irish Catholic, was reputedly the clergyman who drove all the snakes out of Ireland and was fond of shamrocks. What can we really know about this legendary figure? Well, just as St. Nick, or Santa Claus, a corruption from the Dutch, was a real person, in fact, a 4th century bishop in Turkey, so St. Patrick, too, was a real person. But we must separate the frills from the facts. Pots of gold, leprechauns, herpetological marvels, these we must discount. Yet there is a historical kernel that is well worth appreciating. Patrick was in fact a Roman Briton. He lived in the western part of England approximately 385 AD until his death in 461. His home was in the west of what is now Great Britain, possibly Wales. His father was a deacon, his grandfather a priest, naturally, in this extreme western part of the Roman Empire. Latin was spoken, and so that was the language of Patrick. And he was nominally Christian. The fourth century is the pivot century, when persecution pretty much ended at the beginning of the century, the masses converted to Christianity. Ah, but was it really a conversion? Patrick was kidnapped by pirates when he was a teenager. Irish pirates crossed the sea to England, kidnapped him, and took him back to Ireland for many years where he was a slave. He slept outdoors. He took care of sheep. He learned the Irish language. He also came to love the people. And he had a dream, he says, a dream that there was a ship waiting for him. He ran away, and he was able to make his escape back to the continent. First, uh, well, he, he went to England, but he didn't end up there at first. He, he spent some time in France. 
Well, some years after his escape, it became his passion to return to Ireland to preach the gospel because it was during his captivity that this man came to faith. And that is exactly what he did. The captive loved the captor. This is not Stockholm Syndrome. This is Patrick realizing that the Lord was calling him to be a missionary. He claims in his writings called his confession that he often prayed a hundred times a day. And when he finally got the green light, so to speak, to return to Ireland, he established churches everywhere. Thousands were baptized. In short, Patrick is the first and foremost figure to establish Christianity in Ireland. What about the shamrock and the snakes? Well, as for the shamrock, this, we're told, was Patrick's method of explaining the Trinity to the Irish. I suppose good analogies are always in short supply. The color green is the color of Ireland, the Emerald Isle. If you've ever been there, you would agree it's green, it's well watered from above and from below. As for the snakes, they were never native to Ireland anyway, at least not since the last glacial period. Was Patrick an Irish saint? No, he was English. Was he a Catholic clergyman? Hardly. As the Roman Empire was weakening, crumbling politically and militarily, the church was losing its fire and faith. Patrick, however, knew where the real power lay. He was a man of prayer and evangelism. Since the most distinctively Catholic, I put that in inverted commas, uh, practices had not yet taken hold in Christianity, it's misleading to claim that he was a Roman Catholic. He was his own man. As for being a saint, we see in Ephesians 1.1 that all Christians are saints or are called to be saints. But that term was later used to describe men and women of special faith, particularly if they've done at least one miracle and lived a virtuous life. But it's wholly inaccurate to deny the title saint to any true Christian, just as it's wrong-headed to label anyone a saint who's not living a holy life. So this man wasn't really a Catholic. He would have rejected the special title of saint, and to top it all off, he wasn't even Irish. Well, what about St. Patrick's Day? Well, apparently March 17th was the day that this tireless Christian worker died in the year 461. And in my country, the United States, this day has been celebrated ever since 1737. In conclusion, Patrick displayed considerable passion for evangelism and love for the Lord. He influenced many for Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more about this amazing man, you could do it pretty easily. I would definitely encourage you to read Patrick's Confession. Oh, it's not very long, 20 or 30 pages. It's written very simply. It's our primary source for his life. And there's also a document that survived his letter to Caroticus. Caroticus was a soldier who claimed to be a Christian, and yet he butchered other people. In fact, at their baptism, they're still in their white robes, which are now blood-drenched. He massacred many people on the beach. Patrick writes to Caroticus a very bold letter. Well, those are the, the two uh, primary sources that have survived. Oh, they're academic sources, uh, and I've given this in the notes that accompany uh, this uh, podcast. But if you want something that's enjoyable, um, easy to read, very well done, let me recommend a book by my friend David Brousseau. It's called 
Let Me Die in Ireland, the true story of Patrick. Using the original sources and a little bit of imagination, uh, David has done a superb job bringing his story to life, not only making it interesting, but helping us to admire this incredible man of faith as we should.